0: Welcome to Looking at Lucasfilm, the podcast with a different perspective on the world of Star Wars, Indiana Jones, and all of the other entities that George Lucas, Kathleen Kennedy, and the rest of the team at Lucasfilm have dreamed up over the past 40 years. I'm entertainment writer Jim Hill, and my co-host, the one, the only, Dan Z, and I are recording this on Thursday, January 23rd. Um, And, and, and Dan, I, I don't know if you got this email. I, I got it literally an hour before we started recording, but it, it's a... A notice from the Star Wars Celebration folks, um, and I, I'm just not making plans for February, but they're here, you know, they're here like, you really
1: need to be making plans for August. August um, 27th. Yeah. No, right? Isn't that right? 27th, the first night of Celebration.
0: Uh, yeah. In fact, that it's interesting you, you mentioned the 27th because what r- this notice started off with was mentioning that there are still single-day tickets available. But only for Thursday, the twenty seventh, and then uh, the last day of the event, Sunday,
1: the uh, August thirtieth. Right? That's right. So that's quite a that's quite a pickle because you basically are going to be in the middle, in California, which is great, mm-hmm. but you won't be able to get into Celebration except for the first and last days. But still, mm-hmm. if you can get the tickets, you should get them. I mean, Celebration is tremendous, tremendous fun. I cannot wait.
0: It's, it's, again, the 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 one time I did it in two thousand and fourteen. Again, in fact, the first time I met you in That's person. That's right. Uh, uh, no, it, it was great fun. There, there's a lot of really nice people and a lot of amazing panels. Um, but <laughs> I, I guess it. We should also point out that again, this is the Anaheim Convention Center, and what's kind of interesting is just tonight, uh, Picard, the new uh, CBS All Access series, debuts. And right. I, I don't know if you've seen any of the the trailers or anything for, out ahead of this this you know sort of continuation of the Star Trek: The Next Generation, but they've got the Anaheim Convention Center standing in for Starfleet headquarters,
1: which is so cool. But and and the design of it really, it really makes that work because it, lo- it does look like that. Oh no, no, absolutely, absolutely, but.
0: But anyway, okay. Again, Anaheim Convention Center, and so you know, this is just across the street, tiny little park, very, barely worth mentioning. Um, but we were talking about the twenty seventh, and on the opening night of this year's Star Wars celebration, Disneyland is holding uh, a hard ticket event. Uh, they they're calling it Disneyland After Dark Star Wars Night, um, and and. Had, had you
1: heard anything about this or I well I saw the announcement on Twitter and I promptly texted Tom and Corey mm-hmm. and said, Hey, we're gonna go to this and they said, Okay, let's do it. Um, and I'm just thrilled because it sounds like Galactic Nights was at Disney World those couple times they did it. They had one in two thousand seventeen after celebration Orlando. It was one of the mm-hmm. most fun times I've ever had at a Disney park. And that was really? before Galaxy's Edge existed. So mm-hmm. The fact that they're going to have it, and you're going to have access to that too, with some of the biggest Star Wars fans on the planet uh, mm-hmm. at the coolest place to celebrate Star Wars at Galaxy's Edge. While wow, you've enjoyed the whole day of Star Wars celebration, I can't really think of it much better than that.
0: Well, you see that this demonstrates our the clear difference between our ages, Dan, because I'm the old fart, and you know, and it's the notion of. Uh, this event, if you have a ticket for this event, which, by the way, uh, it's one hundred nine dollars per ticket uh, for ages three and up, but not on sale um, yet. Not on sale no, yet. and that that's 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 definitely worth noting uh, because, and in fact, I'm not even sure the one hundred nine dollars is the price, but going by the other uh, three uh, Disneyland After Dark events. Uh, well, actually, four. There's one being held next week. Uh, 80s oh, wow. night. Oh, cool. On uh, January 28th. Uh, but they've also got a sweetheart night in February, a Pixar night in April, and I want to say a villains night in May. Um,
1: is is 80s night? Is that why Drew Taylor's been growing out that mullet all this time? Oh, <laughs> why can't makes you sense. You believe? <laughs> <You> know, just, <laughs> hey, we see. we kid because we love well there we go actually um, i got i want to give a shout out to one of our our listeners his name is tim drury he's a huge fan of yours and all the jim hill media network shows but he texted me and he said he loves the feud i have with drew and then he thinks drew and i should have a, a podcast together or the two of i just banned her well, that would be fun wow okay that's <laughs> break the internet okay
0: i i i would actually i would listen to that sure no no tim that's an excellent suggestion um but yeah, that that now, if you buy a ticket to this uh, Disneyland After Dark event, um, well, first of all, you you get access to the park starting at six p.m., and the party itself doesn't get underway till nine, and doesn't end till one o'clock in the morning. And see, again? That's that's the old fart part of me kicking in. I because I actually I, didn't see that. Oh, that is going to be tricky, but I, it'll be worth it. Well, I, and you you and I both know that there'll be some sort of huge panel on f- come friday morning that will probably start what
1: at at 10 and uh, so um what so they going to be between 6 and 9 is that just to get people out of the park that did yeah, sort
0: of sort of filter them out and I, I you know i also have to assume that they're probably going to shut down Black Spire outpost for a bit too because there's a lot of stuff they they're setting up there there's going to be immersive star wars themed photo opportunities uh enhanced decor uh, event merch uh and evidently special food and drink that'll be offered during it and at some point in the evening there's even going to be a special star wars themed fireworks spectacular so um again it it really does sound worth checking out
1: all right now Um, here's the big question that everybody listening to your shows wants to know mm -hmm. are you going to be at celebration and are you going to go to this event
0: uh, I I feel like given that I missed out on Chicago, I have to go to the one in Anaheim. I, 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 I can't agree. do this. I can't do this podcast with you unless, you know, that that's I'm pretty well, you know, but on the other hand, I don't <sighs> let's also be honest here. I think a lot of the reason that a lot of people will be looking at this Disneyland after dark star Wars night and thinking, especially if they're going to celebration this year, that I should get a ticket. Is because in theory it solves one of their biggest problems, which is how do I, uh, how do I go to you know celebration and you know do this four day long event and also get to experience Rise of the Resistance exactly. Uh, but exactly. but here's the thing: there's nothing so far, uh, you know, within you know the 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 information that they put up on the Disney Parks blog about this uh, Star Wars night that says anything about whether or not, you know, you know how guests would get boarding groups uh, for rise of the resistance. And more to the point, um, what is it? The, the Anaheim version of, you know, this marquee attraction for uh black Spire outpost only opened uh, officially on January 17th. And have you, you've been following at all what's been going on out in Anaheim?
1: Uh, kind of loosely, I've seen posts on Twitter about when the boarding groups fill up, but I haven't really yeah. noticed much about uh, how the operation is going.
0: Well, you know that that <laughs> again, what Dan's referring to is on opening day, um, inside of forty five seconds, uh, all of the boarding groups for uh, uh you know, uh, rise of the resistance, uh, were taken, and you know that's. You know that that that's a little startling, uh, but what's happened since is uh, Disneyland's begun to experience this very interesting guest attendance pattern, and 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 uh, in order to explain this, I guess I need to point out that you know, face it, the Disney World is a destination resort. You know that people either fly in or drive down to Orlando, and they book. You know, they they, they going to get vacation packages for, you know, Disney's resorts or they stay in hotels that are just off property on 192 or international. So, you know, these are folks who are there for a couple of days. And, you know, so when they get up at, you know, 430 in the morning and then go over to the studio and are then inside and, you know, get their boarding groups. I mean, they've, they're they committed. They're there for their vacation. So, You know, they tend to either stay in the studio, uh, you know, for the full day, whether or not they've gotten a boarding group or not, or they head to another, you know, one of Disney's other, you know, three theme parks or the water parks or Disney Springs. I mean, mean, you get the idea. Um, But Disneyland, Dan, is a very different animal. You know, I mean, that theme park reportedly has over a million annual pass holders, And most of those folks come from just a hundred miles around uh, Orange County.
1: I can't believe they sell that many. Well, I mean, I I don't, I I mean, I know the demand is, is there. I don't mean that. I just mean, I would think like, because of fire code or something, you wouldn't be allowed to sell that many.
0: Well, you know, there's only been a couple of times when, you know, a lot of them have showed up all at once. I, I was actually out there for the, uh, the 24-hour party for the 60th anniversary. And by, I want to say, 10.30 in the morning, they closed the gates to Disneyland. In fact, like anybody who showed up was you know, told, well, you can stand in this line and, you know, as guests leave, we'll let new guests in. Or you can go over to California Adventure. And they didn't actually open up the gates to the park again till 2.30 in the morning. Um, so that's a lot of people. Um, but I, I, again, getting to this, this ridiculous number of annual pass holders. What's been happening is that because so many of these people are locals, they'll drive over to Disneyland in the morning, you know, get there early, early, you know, line up outside, come through the turnstiles, stand on Main Street and try to get a boarding group for Rise of the Resistance. And then if they don't get it, Dan, they turn around and leave the park. Sure. And, and but here's the thing that, you, you know, Len and I were, were just talking about this and they've got their guy, Guy, who's on the ground there in the park and Guy's like, you should see this happen. You know, that, that, that you, know, some, you know, it's, it's, it's obviously hundreds, sometimes thousands of people who just, you know, look up on their phones. I didn't get it. Turn around leave the park and it's and it's having this weird ripple effect in in very strange uh, areas of the park's day-to-day operation i mean take yeah, for what's example it, what's with, it doing well uh, take for example the you know those giant parking structures the uh, what is it mickey and friends and pixar pals yeah. and you know and how disney sort of speed loads people into the building um well, what's happening is these these people, are typically annual pass holders, come by themselves to the park. They don't necessarily come with friends. And so they're going back to the parking structure, climbing in their car and driving off, which means that, you know, in theory, you've got this parking structure that's full. And so you can't let any guests in. But cast members have driven around upstairs and it's like we have hundreds upon hundreds of empty slots, but we can't let Anybody up onto these floors, uh, you know, because you know we're supposed to be following our standard operating procedure as to how we we load people into these garages. So um, it's it's a it's a strange situation, Dan. Now, mind you, it's Disney; they'll get their arms around it eventually. They'll figure it out. Um, And and more to the point, it's still it's Rise of the Resistance. It is this amazing attraction um it it's that said it is still having some operational issues we just on recently both coasts. well you know i mean yeah i mean uh, the, the disney world version for example on the monday of mart the martin luther king day weekend um they had some sort of operational hiccup that prevented rise of the resistance from opening that day till two o'clock in the afternoon which which really made it difficult in the, in the amount of time that Uh, The park was open for the day to, uh, you know, to to get all those boarding groups that had been given out, you know, uh, to accommodate them on the attraction. Um, And now, as far as the Disneyland version is concerned, I I, I guess I'm kind of hoping that some of the folks who, um, especially in the weekends, if, if some of the folks who were. Going into Disneyland on Saturday and Sunday and trying to get, you know, uh, boarding groups on – into a boarding group on on Rise of the Resistance. And if they're just not able to do it, uh, I'm hoping that they actually get in their cars and drive over to uh, Buena Park to Knott's Berry Farm Uh, because, well, first and foremost – Uh, you know that there's Mrs. Knott's chicken ring, uh, chicken restaurant over there, and they serve serve a killer breakfast, but it's only on Saturday and Sunday these days. Um, and the other reason I bring it up is that on the 28th, Tuesday, January 28th, uh, in the California Marketplace section of Knott's Berry Farm, they're getting their very own build-a-bear. Uh, which you and I both know, Dan means that. What is it in April? Um, that's when the child build a Bear becomes available, right?
1: That's right. That's right. Uh, after you get in line for Rise of the Resistance, head over there. <laughs> and and I what I do one of the reasons I follow
0: Dan's Twitter feed is that Dan is is really on top of uh you know a lot of this uh the child merch. In fact, I loved. What you tweeted out uh, just last week, at uh the the items from cufflinks.com. That's right. I, I didn't know I needed a the child lapel pin, which I guess they're they're selling for like twenty five bucks. But that thing was really super cute. And uh, what? Likewise, the what the BB8 and the Do cufflinks.
1: Um, but yeah they, you know, they're they're a great company they they were the company that went for the solo premiere they sent me a bunch of some tie tacks and some cufflinks and some mm-hmm. ties and socks and they've got some great star wars so they got great stuff from other kinds of properties too but of course star wars is my jam
0: and you know one would hope that the folks at at lucasfilm are, 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 are springing for some of these items, especially given that what is it? Just last Wednesday, uh, January fifteenth, Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker became the seventh film that Walt Disney Studios released in two thousand nineteen that went on to to sell more than a billion dollars worth of tickets worldwide. Um, in fact, just before we started recording tonight, Dan, I, I checked on an, uh, the latest box office update for Sky uh, Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, uh, worldwide totals currently sitting at. One billion thirty-one million dollars. Um, mind you, that uh, no, I did. You know, it, look, if I found that on the bureau, I'd be very happy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you know, but but uh, on the other hand, I, we have to be honest here and point out that's roughly three hundred million shy of what uh, Last Jedi earned worldwide when it was released in late two thousand seventeen, early uh. uh 2018 and if we're being completely honest that total is less than half of what force awakens earned when it was released to theaters back in late 2015 Early, but
1: force awakens also had 10 years of anticipation because i no under- was not not going to debate that you know yeah. that
0: that you know that that you know certainly you know that, that there were a lot of it. it was an event you know we all went back to theaters but it's it's hard not to look at that J.J. Abrams film with you know again we're earning two billion sixty eight million worldwide, which again is you know that that here's a second Star Wars film from J.J. Abrams and it makes one billion thirty one million uh you know uh worldwide and you know just forgive me for for making this transition but. Since we last recorded, uh, you know, looking at Lucasfilm, the, we, we got that script breakdown released for Colin Trev- Trevorrow's, um, take on episode nine. I, I believe it was called Duel of the Fates.
1: Yeah, um, that's what, that's what, uh,
0: that's what they say. Yeah. And, you know, a number of sources, uh, both in and outside of Disney have confirmed that this, this was actually, the, the breakdown does pretty much conform to the first draft of the screenplay that uh, Trevorrow had been preparing, uh, before he stepped away from the project in September of 2017. Um, look, would, This version of Episode Nine have been more successful at the box office than JJ's take on the final installment of the Star Wars saga. Dan, I think you and I both know it's kind of a waste of time to speculate in the topic like this. I mean, right?
1: Yeah, I'm um, going to get to that right after I nail this jello to the wall. But that sounds like an Aaron (laughs) Adams thing to say. Wow, all you guys are rubbing (laughs) up on me. Well, I mean, it's just look—it's a screenplay.
0: Okay. And I, I've got all sorts of scripts in my basement for films that never got produced. Uh, really promising projects like uh, Roger Rabbit 2, Toon Platoon, uh, Kevin Smith's a wonderful script for Superman Lives, and uh, Frank Darabont's take on Indiana Jones 4, Indiana Jones and the City of the Gods. Um, and, and all of these things read well, but that... You just don't know if that would then translate into a a successful motion picture. Exactly.
1: Um, Exactly. There's no guarantees. There's just hmm. no guarantees. And plus these things modify and change all the time.
0: No, 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 absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, And, and, but it's worth noting that, that, you know, there's at least one or two concepts that were initially proposed for the Trevor film that did find their way in a somewhat mutated form into, um, the rise of Skywalker and, and more to the point over just the past 24 hours, this slew of concept art for a duel of the fates uh, has, has bubbled up on the Internet. And um, I, again, don't want to speculate on this material. I, I I will say this. I would imagine there's going to be a very interesting conversation at Disney in the not so distant future about, you know, security involving its intellectual property. Uh, Oh, yeah, sure. Especially after the past week where we we saw that story, uh, you know, out there about supposedly Ewan McGregor walking away from the Obi-Wan Kenobi limited series that was being produced by Disney+. And, you know, Disney did this really unusual thing, Dan. You know, something that, that companies very rarely do in the face of a rumor, they actually came out and formally denied it. You know, it just said, no, you, know, you yeah. is not walking away. Um, that said, Collider just today, before Dan and I started recording, posted a piece uh, and, uh, w- which said that the Obi-Wan series at Disney Plus is uh, getting ready to shoot over at Pinewood Studios has been placed on hold. And uh, not only that, that the crew that's building the sets there at Pinewood uh, was sent home. Uh, now, it, what's interesting is is Collider is saying they've got two good, solid sources for this story, and more to the point, they're being very upfront about it. Said nobody's saying canceled, nobody's saying you know that sort of thing. They're saying delayed, so you know it it could be you know a, a, a script needs a little bit more polish, or it could be you know any number of things, uh, but. Uh, and it might even just be the
1: creative process you
0: also know, to, yeah you know, so I'll tell you what folks what dan and i will do we'll keep an eye on this and if there's any further news down uh down the road uh we'll of course share this with you uh me personally I'm hoping that they get things straight uh you know can right the ship get things and straightened away fairly quickly good Given the great work that uh, Deborah Chow did on The Mandalorian, uh, I was really looking forward to what she and screenwriter Hosen Amini uh, were going to do with this Obi One series, and uh, and it, it'll still happen. It'll still I'm, happen. I'm hoping because yeah. you know I I got to tell you you know <laughs> that you know after season one of The Mandalorian you know proved that you can do a really great Star Wars related project for television. Uh, but then again, Dan, Dan, you and I already knew that, you know, we, we've seen, you know, uh, Star Wars Rebels, or oh, for that matter, um, did you have you seen the, the Star Wars, the Clone Wars trailer for Season 7? That, that
1: Oh, have I?
0: It's amazing. It's wonderful. <sighs> so
1: what leaped out at you from that? Honestly, the best thing about this for me is that when I watched it, I felt like I was home again. I felt like I hadn't missed a beat. Clone Wars mm-hmm. looks um Just as beautiful, if not more beautiful than ever has it. All Mm -hmm. the everything just looks in sync. Uh, A lot of the action, a lot of the things I noticed appear make it appear that this is going to run concurrently with Mm -hmm. Revenge of the Sith, which I think is brilliant. Uh, It it makes sense, especially when you show when they show Anakin, you know, embracing Padme and she's pregnant because she find he finds out in Revenge of the Sith that she's actually pregnant. You also notice, and this has been on on Twitter as -hmm. well. But you notice the shot of of Depa Balaba with a, a small a Padawan by her side, which we can assume is Kanan Jarrus. I so think found too. out about that today. That is so cool. It's very cool. I it just there's just so much promise.
0: Mm, you know, and 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 speaking of promise, uh and now I know you and I were pre-gaming before, uh, before the show, and you were a little bit behind on Star Wars Resistance, the animated series. And Mm -hmm. I've been tough on the show uh, previously, and I I wanted to say the episode that just ran this past Sunday, uh, episode 17 of season two, uh, which is entitled Rebuilding the Resistance. I I think it's one of the strongest episodes in a long time. And and again, I know you haven't seen it, Dan, so we're not going to talk about it in detail. But what I think is really great about this show is it clearly shows the stakes when it comes to dealing with the first order, and you know the 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 sacrifices that the resistance sometimes just has to make, so um, uh, to, to get caught up there because like I really want to talk about that show, especially since we're oh, coming will. up on episode eighteen, which is supposedly the last one of the series. So that's right. That's so. right. And well and 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 you know, the the reason you have to celebrate good Star Wars related television is because there has been well, I'm not gonna say bad, but there has been some weird Star Wars stuff found on television. And in a moment Dan and I are, are gonna discuss the, the those infamous Star Wars sketches that aired in, in September seventy seven on the Donnie Marie show and the, the short lived Richard Pryor show. Okay, I'll let you share a little more good news before, again, we we get to the weird stuff we were just talking about. And so, did you see this story that's making the rounds now about Taika Waititi's uh, supposedly been offered the chance to develop his own Star Wars movie?
1: I have, and I definitely have something to say, but go ahead and then I'll I'll, um, politely let everyone down. Okay.
0: (laughs) Well as the story goes, this offer was made on the strength of the season one finale of the Mandalorian with, which, which Taika directed uh, for this Disney plus series. And, you know, and again, it's like, it's an interesting story, but if you, you look at the cold blooded reality, and this is a guy who's, you know, he's going to be shooting Thor, uh, love and thunder starting in March. And, you Know he's got to deliver that finished film out ahead of its you know 2021 release day. Um, this is a very busy guy, so it's hard to see that he might actually have any room on his dance card for a Star Wars film. But, but what's your take, Dan?
1: My take is as always, until I hear Disney or Lucasfilm or someone like Variety report on it, I think it's just hopeful. Or, you know, wishful thinking or speculation. And then all you need to do is go to Taika Waititi's Twitter feed. And mm-hmm. the day that was out, he posted a picture, no caption, but he posted a picture of the Fleetwood Mac album cover, Rumors. So that kind of <laughs> squelches it right there. Uh, but, you know, that, that's the beauty of doing that is it
0: cuts both ways. It, it both shuts down the story and gives it oxygen you know, so it's 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 actually a lovely way to handle it. You know that that it is. You, know, you know it it both. You know it, it builds up your hopes and it gently lets you down. So, but like uh, you
1: said, I mean, there's just I mean, these movies take years to do, and if he's just gonna start, you know, Love and Thunder, I mean, he's not gonna have time for this kind no. of thing, at least not for a while. But you know, uh, Star Wars is gonna be fine. It's let it, it, everyone just needs to let it breathe enjoy seeing the rise of skywalker a few more times and there's Mm -hmm. plenty of books uh clone wars is starting up again there there's plenty of time and hopefully we'll start uh, getting some indiana jones stuff that's what i'm looking forward to yeah
0: that's that's that's, we should be hearing some some news on that shortly but you know well hopefully and and speaking of hope you know it's it's now time to take a look back at a new hope which Back when the summer of 1977 was drawing for, to a close, uh, it had, had grossed an astounding 133.7 million uh, since this George Lucas film had been released at theaters in May of uh, 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 May twenty-fifth, 1977. But but now Labor Day is looming, and obviously summer blockbuster season is drawing to a close. But George Lucas and 20th Century Fox clearly want to keep this gravy train rolling, so. Th- they were looking for ways to keep Star Wars uh, front of mind so that uh, those, those would-be moviegoers, who hadn't yet bought tickets to this box office phenomenon, would, would finally cave and go see the movie. Um, which is why, over a, a 10-day period in September of 1977, the Star Wars characters made appearances on two television variety shows. Uh, the NBC's Richard Pryor show, and ABC's Donnie and Marie, uh, all because Lucasfilm and 20th Century Fox were looking for some free publicity for a new home. Um, now, now, Dan, you've uh, the, all of these are available on YouTube. You, you've seen
1: them, right? I have. Some more recently than others, but yes. Some I just remember from when I was a kid.
0: Well, I, and the interesting thing for me is how the Star Wars characters got divided up between the two shows, because... If you watch the Donnie and Marie show, it is, uh, you know, it's, it's the A team. I mean, you've got, uh, you know, C3PO with, with Anthony Daniels in the suit, voicing the character. Uh, you've got R2D2. Uh, you've got, you know, Chewbacca. And I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's, that's Peter Mayhew in the suit there. Yeah, uh, I think, and it is. you know they they've even got um you know Darth Vader. I don't know if David Prowse is in the suit. I know for a fact that it's it's not James Earl Jones doing the voice. But did you see who they actually got to do the voice though? No, who? Thurl Ravencroft. Oh you wow, know? yeah. So the the voice of Tony the Tiger, and um, if you've ever been on on the Haunted Mansion, he's one of the more pronounced, uh, you know, singing bus who does Grim Grinny Ghosts and, and, and again, in the Haunted Mansion. Um, but, you know, it, it's, and it, it's, let's be honest here. It's kind of a, a toothless sketch. I mean, you know, that, that it's very much in the style of uh, what Carol Burnett used to do. You know, they, they, whatever the hit film was that year, they, they do a sketch with, you know, some elaborate costumes and, you know, that sort of thing. And, you know, and it, it's got things like Chris Christopherson playing Han Solo and <laughs> they've got Red Fox basically playing, uh, you know, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi and, and Paul Lynn for God's sakes is, is both Tarkin? Um, so uh, I, you know, it, it, but again, it, it's, it's, it's affectionate. You know, it's not particularly funny. Um, but, it, you know, if you're a kid sitting at home, you know, watching it, um, you know, it's it's like it's, it's Donna Marie and it's Star Wars and, and mom and dad, let's go see that movie again. Um, whereas the Richard Pryor sketch, which it actually aired before the Donna Marie sketch, uh, that was September 13th on NBC. Um, that's an entirely different take on, on Star Wars. It, it's it's basically a Saturday Night Live sketch done in primetime, um, with you know, in fact, it was the opening sketch of the very first show in the series, Dan, uh, and it has uh, Richard playing the bartender in an inner city version of the most Eisley Cantina. And and now uh, you're gonna have to help me out with these names here. So we have Moma Nadana Hammerhead, is that correct? Moma Nadan is Hammerhead,
1: that's right. So close. Okay. And Figrin Dan? What, Figrin what is it Dan. From? That's that's the Cantina uh the creatures that play the, the song. The Cantina Oh, game. okay. And what about the Barquin? What am I looking at here? Barquin.
0: How's that spelled? Uh B-A-R-Q-U-I-N. I actually have never heard of that before. Okay, that's again, folks. You know, sometimes Wikipedia is not your friend. Uh, Poda Baba, what is a Poda oh, Baba? Pondo Baba, that's Walrus Man. Walrus Man, okay. And we have muftak. Um, that's the one yeah, that's with the like, little. Go ahead. Like the the twig for the mouth, right? That's the, right. The that's right yeah. Okay. And we also have a Duros and a Ven.
1: Bless you. No, the the Duros, <laughs> Duros is uh. Remember the in the Mandalorian episode six, the prisoner where Clancy Brown played that heavy. Um, yes, that's, yes. A Duros, that's a Duros. Okay. Yeah.
0: And and the end we we got anything for that? Or? You spell that one. Uh, this
1: has got to be riveting podcasting for
0: people.
1: V A N E. Hmm, I'm not sure. That one doesn't ring a bell. Okay,
0: well, anyway, again, these are you know if you if you saw the movie these these are, and and this isn't a question of approximations of the makeup. These are the the costumes. Lucasfilm you know sent them down uh, you know to to be used in the sketch, and and supposedly what makes this especially interesting is that Rick Baker, the guy who developed a lot of these makeups for the Mos Eisley Canteen, supposedly was there. Uh, to help get them ready for television, and um, it's I I don't know if you you recall from seeing the sketch, Dan. It's it's really is kind of slapped together. Uh, you know, in that there's at least a couple of these Star Wars heads on characters that are then dressed in the distinctive orange leather outfits that the orangutan characters wore in nineteen sixty eight's Planet of the Apes. So, you know, somebody made a, a rundown to Western costume in Hollywood, and it's like, give me your sci fi outfits. You know, that's right. Um, I'm sure that's what know. Happened. And what's particularly interesting is there's at least one shot in this sketch where you can see where a, a, a you know, a, a mask is basically being held together with gaffer's tape. You know, it just right. sort of like, you know, whatever, you know, that they hadn't anticipated that. You know, uh, because I guess Richard improvised a lot of uh, his responses in the sketch that they hadn't anticipated that angle. And it's like, oh, we really should have tried to hide the Gaffer's tape.
1: Oh, that's great. Um, oh, well, it's just uh, a venom, by the way. Those are the things that look like werewolves. Oh, that, well, there we they're, go. They're, but okay. they're not in uh, after they did the special edition. That creature kind of went away. Really? Oh, At least in at least in the New Hope. But they still exist in the comics and things like that. Okay. Okay. Well. Well. Again, I. You know. It. it I, like I said, it's
0: it's kind of a one note sketch. But but the interesting thing is, in fact, the, the whole reason I, I, I bring this story up is just uh, last week. Uh. In fact, last Thursday night, ABC ran, a special, a two hour long special, the last days of Richard Pryor, and, and in the middle of it, they had one black and white still image of the, um, uh, you know, this sketch, which you know, again, I. <laughs> You know, I was 18 at the time. I, uh, you know, I, I saw when this first aired on NBC, and um, and I have to tell you, there's there's only a handful of us who got to see the Richard Pryor show while it ran on NBC because he was contracted to make 10 of them. He literally walked away from the show after four, uh, and I don't think they 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 reran much after that. Um, but anyway, uh, Star Wars, the original publicist for for Star Wars, Charles Lippincott, uh, he confirmed last year on Facebook that these two sketches uh, were, uh, you know, a deliberate effort on, on Luke's film and 20th Century's Fox to, you know, to, to revitalize Star Wars, to keep it out there in the box office selling tickets. And, um You know, no lie, this strategy worked in, you know, that, that, you know, Star Wars stayed in theaters 15 months. Um, and, you know, that, in fact, (laughs) you know, that according to my research, the original box office run ended on July 20th, 1978. And then on July 21st, (laughs) you know, the very next day, uh, it went back out into theaters. Uh, but this counted as a different, uh, release date of it. And, uh, at, at, at one point, the domestic box office for this thing was well north of $300 million. And I apologize for not being able to get a, a more precise figure, folks, but, uh, if you, you review or, you know, or research, uh, Star Wars box office, especially it, its, its first run, the numbers are all over the place, but, um, and, and oh, oh, by the way, um, <laughs> the, the interesting little side note here: um, we have these two sketches on uh, ABC and NBC to thank for the the infamous Star Wars holiday special, Dan. Um, oh, thank uh, is an it, interesting word. Yes. Well, it, it, as the story goes, supposedly. After these two sketches air uh, within 10 days of each other uh, in September of 77, CBS reaches out to, to Lucasfilm and basically says, how come we didn't get an offer? You know, uh, you know, how come you guys went to ABC and NBC but not us? And, you know, and, you know and so this conversation starts and CBS basically says, well, you know, we don't just want a sketch with Star Wars. We'd love to do a whole show. And which is then what led us to that two hour long, uh, you know, Star Wars holiday special that that aired, what, November of of
1: 1978? Yeah, that's right. That's right. You
0: know. I still remember
1: seeing that when it came out.
0: You know, that one I don't think I caught. In uh, you know, in, in real time, uh, I think oddly, I, ironically enough, I think it was managing a movie theater at the time and couldn't go home, or you know, it couldn't be in front of a television to watch it when it aired, and then it disappeared so quickly. Um, you know, I I have uh, my my friend Arlen Miller, you know, <laughs> one of his his proudest possessions is, uh, you know, that this dub of a dub of a dub of a dub. Of you know of of a VHS of the Star Wars Holiday Special, and you know that you, you knew he'd been welcomed into his inner circle when he sat you down and 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 just you have to watch this. You won't like it, but you have to watch this. Oh, that's uh, great. That's a, that's so, kind of fun actually. Yeah, but we'll 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 have to do a, a deeper dive on that one at some point. But uh, again, that's a story for another show. Uh, but but speaking of other shows, Dan. Okay. So we, we, we've busted up the coffee with Kenobi network and uh, folks are off doing their own shows now, but Mm. you still have, um, your own set of uh, incredibly strong
1: podcasts.
0: Uh, What are those again?
1: It's coffee with Kenobi, which of course you can find each and every week. We want to make you think, we Mm. want to make you laugh. We certainly take the subject matter seriously, but not ourselves. And every week, I have a uh, different guest host with me from the world of Star Wars podcasting, blogging, actors, creators, fans, just you name it. We just try to get as many people on as possible because when I started podcasting, I just wanted a voice in fandom. And I think it's important to be able to give back and allow other people a chance to do that. And that's what we hope Coffee with Kenobi does for everybody else. And we also have a Patreon page with an exclusive podcast called CWK See,
0: Pour Over. We got Disney Dish with Luntest. So we got uh you know, Marvel Us Disney with the amazing Aaron Adams. Uh we have I Want That with Michelle Valladolid. Uh we have uh Universal Joint with Dustin Fuse. Uh and and then we have Fine Tuning with Drew Taylor, who's a fine upstanding individual. Don't believe what Dan says. He's a perfectly fine gentleman. Uh, <laughs> And then of course the show you're listening to right now. So um I'll tell you what folks, if you could do Dan and I a favor. Uh, if you could head over to iTunes and not only rate looking at Lucasfilm, but also Coffee with Kenobi. Uh, you know, that, that rate and recommend that—that that helps us get us additional ears and eyeballs. And more to the point, if you really, really, really like what you've heard here uh, tonight, um, you know, if you could go over to Bandcamp and subscribe, uh, well, that that makes it possible for us to afford $109 tickets to go to Star Wars Night at, at Disney After Dark, which. Um. Okay, Dan, I promise this year I'm going to make it the Star Wars Celebration. And if you're going to Star Wars night, I will get myself an extra black coffee and try to
1: stay up till 1 a.m. I um, love it. I love I it. We'll, just, we'll we'll be at Oka's. That's where we're okay. going. Yeah. Oh, do they sell coffee at Oka's? Oka's? I th- by then they probably
0: will, just for the <sighs> Okay. Okay. So, all right. So now all we have to do is figure out how to get on Rise of the Resistance. So. Um, anyway folks, if you have any ideas about that, please let us know. Uh, but beyond that, Dan and I will be back with a new looking at Lucas film shortly. So till then, thanks for listening.